Hi, welcome to Tell Me More About Cohousing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Cohousing Houston is a multi-generational community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We've broken ground on the first co-housing project in Houston, Texas. We are very proud of that. So today is actually not our usual Monday. It's later in the week, and we wanted to record today because we have a guest with us. Today we have Susan Daniels, who's one of our members um, and who has come from a really different approach, I think, uh, to co-housing than a lot of the rest of us. So I think it'll make for a really interesting conversation. Lynn is here today, but she is not going to be on the recording. She's just listening in. Um, so hi, Susan. I'm so glad you're here. Hi. Hi. Well, welcome. So Susan, the reason why I think your story is, is different from other people's and um, is is particularly interesting for people who are thinking about joining co-housing is because you talk about this carefully considered lifestyle. Um, so I wanted to unpack that a little bit. I think all of us think that we have a carefully considered lifestyle, right? <laughs> but, but you definitely have gone through a pretty big process and you're part of a movement that really emphasizes that. So maybe you could take it away and tell us a little bit about uh, the financial independence movement and how that brought you to co-housing. Sure. So the financial independence movement has been going on for a long time, many decades, but uh, recently there's been a bit of a renaissance and a lot of interest in that area. And uh, there are several writers uh, who talk about it. Uh, one in particular has a philosophy of how when you're creating financial independence, you're also creating a lifestyle where all the different aspects of your life support one another. So that it creates kind of a synergy and everything supports everything else. And I see co-housing as a very good fit for that, a good way to create that kind of a lifestyle. Okay. Uh, so you don't kind of silo the different areas of your life. You try to have them all kind of work together, pull towards the same, same set of values. Right. And it's a very personal thing. So, you know, every person has different values and you need to tap into that. And so for me, uh, things that are very important to me are friendship, a sense of community and belonging, um, a sense of living in a neighborhood where people actually know each other and care about each other. Um, it's also important to me that uh, to live lightly on this world, um, to share our resources. And also in the current climate, you know, with climate change and everything else that's going on in the world, the pandemic, it's very important to me to have resilience, to feel mm -hmm. a sense of safety. And so I see that co-housing supports all of those values for me. I like particularly that you said that it's a you know, really personal thing because sometimes I think, you know, you have to know yourself and, and what is valuable to me may not be valuable to the next person. You know, if some people are, are wired for status and for those people, different financial decisions would make sense or some people may be wired for, you know, something else. And, and that is that informs their decisions in a different way. Um, so I like that you kind of present that without judgment. You just, you're like, this, these are my values. This is what I want to live out. And this is why I'm making that decision. That's interesting. 
So can you tell me a little bit about like the philosophy that underlies it? What I'm starting to understand from you is that financial independence doesn't just mean, um, you know, independence from, from having to work or something, but rather the independence is really that you are um, working to support a lifestyle as opposed to uh, work just to work or, you know, <laughs> pursuit of money just for a pursuit of money or whatever. But that's my like looking darkly through what I understand. So can you tell us a little bit more about the philosophy itself? Sure. And a lot of people do. Uh, it, it takes a while to understand the philosophy behind financial independence. It's not just about the numbers and the spreadsheets. It's about creating the kind of life that you want to live and using your resources that are available to you wisely and making choices in your life that help support that kind of life that you want to have. So uh, people are uh, trading time for money, you know, when they're uh, working in a job. Um, and so you think about how can I create the best kind of life um, that fits with my values um, uh, while optimizing, you know, the numbers and, and how can I reach uh, the sort of freedom that I want in my life uh, in the fast, maybe not the fastest way possible. Maybe you want to have the most enjoyable life and and reach financial independence. Wait, so, what? <laughs> That's like, that, that is actually really, I think, a revolutionary way of looking at things that you want to have the most enjoyable life and not just the most uh, financially rewarding life. Um, that's a really big switch. You know, I think a lot of people don't really stop and think about that. Yeah. A lot of people think of uh, financial independence as living kind of this hard frugal life where, you know, you're giving up a lot. Uh, but it doesn't have to be that way. And you can get so much richness from living a, a life that um, supports your values. So an example um, is having kind of a shared economy. Uh, mm -hmm. That's something that uh, happens in co-housing. Um, people tend to, you know, in a traditional life, we tend to outsource a lot of things in our lives. So for example, if you have a dog and you're working outside the home or you go on vacation, you're going to have to take your dog to a doggy daycare or hire a dog walker and it's expensive and you're paying people to do things uh, every step of the way throughout your life. And in a co-housing kind of shared economy where people have different skill sets, you can... Um, share things and it's not always an exact even trade. So an example of that uh, recently, you know, we haven't even moved into our co-housing community yet, but we've built the community and we yeah. have, you know, we have the, the, the neighbors. I feel like every one of you is my neighbor, even though we don't live next door to each other yet. Yeah, and uh, so an example is I posted on our little internal Facebook page, I needed help with uh, sewing my son's uh, scout patches on his uniform yeah. because sewing is just not in my skill set. I can do it, but it's it's painful to me. 
And in exchange, I uh, made some, well, it turned out not being muffins, but it was something else. But cooking is one of my skill sets. And so uh, somebody offered to do the sewing and I brought over some food. So those are the types of things uh, that we'll be doing more and more of in co-housing. And it's hard to put numbers on that, but it's such a valuable uh, resource. Yeah. That's interesting too. I, my, so I get groceries delivered. Um, and my mom was like, well, I could never do that. If I did that, you know, I wouldn't be choosing my own tomatoes. And I was like, I don't care to choose my own tomatoes. And she was like, and I really like the person who does the bagging at our grocery. Like I've known her for years and we chat and, and then I realized like for her, if she had her groceries delivered, she would be losing the relationship. And because I have the groceries delivered, I've never built those relationships. And so it's an interesting, different way for me to look at the economy of, um, you know, paying to have my groceries delivered, which does save me time. It frees up time for me. But unless I use that time to build, uh, you know, pursue my values in other ways, I'm not really actually getting anything out of that savings. Um, where perhaps I would get more out of going to the grocery store and getting to know the people who work there and having that relationship. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that's a very good point about how personal those decisions are, you know, and you have to tap into what's important to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is hard to put numbers on these things, though. You know, it's hard to put values on these. I know you mentioned one that um, that I know when you were talking about it, Lynn's ears perked up because she talks about hurricanes and neighborliness without disaster uh, in Houston. But um, but I think that times of crisis definitely um, are illuminating for people, you know, like how much have I outsourced and now I can't get it, you know, because the system has fallen apart. Um, yeah, so I think that when, when you've talked about, like, if we have a hurricane, the things that you would tap into in our community are things that are suddenly beyond valuable, right? Like, to be able oh, to- yeah, but I mean, how do you put a, a dollar amount on having a sense of safety? Yeah. You know, knowing that when a Cat 5 hurricane is headed to Houston, knowing that I'm going to be safe. My son is going to be safe because we have a whole community of people looking out for us that we know very well. They all have, you know, different backgrounds and skill sets and resources. And we have a common house we can go into that's going to have a generator. We're going to have, you know, meals. We'll have, be able to stay, stay cool and comfortable and have the care that we need to get through the storm. You can't really put a number on that, but it sure will feel nice going into that compared to, you know, how it is currently where you're running to the grocery store frantically trying to stock up on things along with the rest of Houston. Yeah, that's interesting. I read this book, Ministry for the Future. It's a sci-fi book about um, climate change and, you know, whatnot. And in it, they talk about uh, that humans always discount the value of the future. That if you ask somebody to pay, you know, a dollar today for something that will be worth, you know, one hundred and fifty dollars in one hundred and fifty years, they won't do it. <laughs> They'll hold on to the dollar today. So I like that your uh, financial independence philosophy helps you to put those things, put future value into today's dollars that these are things, values that you want to live out, values that you want to experience 
and that you can then you know, draw that back to, and this is what I will pay for it today. And this is how I will pay for it today. Um, right. That's a, a level of, um, of planning that, that a lot of people don't do and that we as humans maybe aren't like the best at. <laughs> well, so did you go through a process um, of, of, you know, looking at co-housing in light of this, you know, when you kind of first started down this road, um, how did you, we've talked a lot about how other people kind of come to co-housing, what makes them make the, the actual jump? Um, and so if these are the, the lifestyle things, like how did you connect those values with the actual decision to go into co-housing? Was there something that in your past that kind of made you leap forward? Right. Yeah, so for me, uh, a lot about co-housing just fits. It felt right, uh, but I knew it felt right because so many aspects of co-housing uh, aligned with my values. And so for everyone, it's going to be a personal decision, you know, maybe something in your background, something that happened in your life history. Um, and I can think of one example um, that was the exact opposite of what I think co-housing will be like for me. So uh, years and years ago, uh, I was living in one of those very large um, apartment complexes uh, in the suburbs of Houston. And uh, I had worked a, a long shift uh, at work. It was, it was evening, it was dark. And uh, this was the sort of a apartment complex where you really just don't know your neighbors. You, you know, there, there are these uh, long um, stretches you have to walk around to get to the place where you pick up your mail. Well, I had gotten home, I pulled into the parking lot, parked and started walking through the dark uh, to go get my mail. And on my way back to my apartment, I um, tripped and uh, I fell and I fell hard. <laughs> it's funny how as adults, we don't bounce like uh, kids, we fall hard. <laughs> I um, hit my knee really hard and I was just bleeding and it was, it took me a while to even stand up. And my memory of that experience was of people just, driving past me in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. You know, they could see yeah. I was down on the ground. And I eventually got up and limped my way back home and, you know, up the stairs to my apartment. And I was thinking, this is such a cold and unwelcoming place to live. And I know that, you know, in co-housing, no one's going to drive past you in the parking lot. <laughs> you know, people... <laughs> No, you, even in the neighborhood, you know, we're going to be creating a, we have a neighborhood engagement team, our, you know, uh, everything about co our co-housing community is going to be engaging with the neighborhood. So if something happens to me when I'm out walking in the neighborhood, I'm going to know the name of that person yeah. I walked past and they're, you know, I'm going to have a relationship there. And Susan, you know, that, that story is so like, it ties in so nicely because 
Um, I don't even know if you are aware of this, but um, at one point the door was left open. There's a building on our property for people who don't know this. And the door was left open. And one of the neighbors called us and said, hey, did you know the door was left open? And I just think like, yeah, nobody's going to drive past you. Um, I also think that our sidewalks are going to be nicer because a group of people from co-housing Houston went and volunteered for safe sidewalks. So they're trying to identify and get rid of the trip hazards. So hopefully nobody will fall on the sidewalks anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, are there ways that um, that co-housing exceeds your expectations? Like if that's, if the, um, the kind of visceral memory of living in a place that was cold and didn't support your values, if that's what connected you in the first place, have there been ways then that it kind of um, has optimized or maximized what you think you're, you know, what the values are worth this financially? Are there ways that has, has exceeded that? Sure. Um, again, you know, these are things that I suppose I could run a spreadsheet and come up with the numbers behind it, but I know uh, just from looking at the design, um, you know, our our architect is going to be living there and the design, the quality of the materials is beyond uh, what I would be able to afford on my own if I was purchasing a home. You know, currently looking at the market, if I were gonna buy a you know, single family home in Houston in a neighborhood, it would not be at that level. I wouldn't have the amenities like, you know, the common house, the, um, woodworking shop, um, the gardens, uh, the ability um, to use our resources for sustainability, like, um, you know, the solar panels and the geo heat exchange, that's stuff I could never dream of doing on my own or installing. Same. And so, yeah, I think it's, uh, and there probably is a way to run the numbers on that, but I can just tell you right now, I wouldn't be able to afford that on my own. <laughs> it's something yeah. you have to do as a group, as a community and share yeah. your resources. Yeah, it's so wonderful. Well, Susan, thank you so much for coming. I really, really appreciate this discussion. Um, if people have an interest in the financial independence movement, how might they get more information about that? Do you have some recommendations? Uh, there are a couple of uh, blogs I, and groups I particularly uh, like. Uh, one in particular is Choose FI. So that okay. would be a good starting place. Great. And that's both on Facebook and you said that there are blogs also? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And a podcast. Wonderful. Oh, good. I'll have to go start listening to their podcasts because I really am intrigued by this concept. Yay, well, thank you so much. And thank you for stopping by. We're so glad you clicked on our episode today. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. You can also go to our website and you can read Susan's bio on our website and see a picture of her in case you're wondering the people behind the podcast. For general information about Cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media. So check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing Houston. Thanks.